theyeshiva.net. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Page 241, or Kuf Chaf Column 1, the paragraph on the top, which starts, V'zeu Inyan Purim. V'zeu Inyan Purim. Al Shem HaPur Hu HaGodon. After what's been discussed about the real experience and reality of Mesiris Nefesh, we could now come to explain the concept of Purim, the name of Purim, which is named because of the Pur Huagayro. As discussed above in the beginning of Oishchas, Perekhas, that the name is one of the strangest components of Purim, because there are so many things you could name the holiday for. And the most important thing is, of course, that the Jewish people were saved from a horrific edict and decree of complete annihilation and genocide. So you would have expected a name choice that would reflect this theme in some way or another. Maybe choose one element of the story, whether it's a name of a person or uh, it's the experience what did, what did they, what's the name that they chose in actuality? Purim. So the Megillah says, why? Because, thank you, because of a lot that Haman cast when he was trying to figure out which day would be the most suitable day to implement his vicious and evil decree. So he didn't just choose a day that came into his mind. He went through a procedure, a process we call a goyro. He cast lots until uh, he got this day, as the Pasuk says, he cast lots which month, which day, and it fell out on the 13th day of Adar. This seems like a completely incidental, almost irrelevant part of the story. That Haman, when he was making the Gzeda, made a goidel. Fine. Aglik is Megashan, so that's why we named in, we named the whole holiday Purim. And there's two elements here in the question. First of all, it seems like a very incidental and inconsequential detail. Almost irrelevant to the story. And even if you're going to explain somehow his, his reason for doing it, so we named the holiday based on, on, on Haman's act when he was preparing the Xerah. Shouldn't it be named on the fact that he was defeated, that we were saved from him? It's almost like we're commemorating him in the name. It's a very strange concept. You don't have it by any other Yom Tov. Not Chag HaMatzis. It's named for the mitzvahs. Man Chereseinu. Chag HaShavuos. Chag HaBikurim. Chag HaOsif. Sukkis, Yom Kippurim, Rosh Hashanah, Chanukah. The Hine, the Pshat is as a Kamei Hagaydol. When it comes to a Gaydol, she apilu Gaydolus. When you say you make a Gaydol, you cast a Gaydol, you cast lots. What is it? Eich she Yipul Hagaydol, Kach Yakum Hadover. You make a girl, you say, we're going to make a girl. And whatever the girl decides, whatever comes out in the girl, whoever wins, that's how it's going to be. 
of those games, you know, those spinners, right? <laughs> Wherever it stops, that's it. Musical chairs. The music stops. If you have a chair, great. If not, take a girdle, you put in all the pieces of paper into the hat, and you choose one. You're a Zoichab and this becomes yours, whatever it is. Whatever the fu- whatever the particular purpose and function. But the point is, the person somehow is hanging up his will, his he's attributing his will on what the goidel, on how the goidel is going to fall out. However, the goidel, the lot, the lottery falls out. Hain oilav, whether it's a yes or a no, because you don't know. Maybe a girdle between two people. Maybe a girdle between a thousand people. This is what I agree to. This is what my will is. Uh, it's not fair after the girdle you say, no, 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 no. That's what a girdle is. That we all agree. We, what am I agreeing to? I'm agreeing to something that the girdle is going to decide. And I say decide, quote, unquote. So, on, a, on the surface level... It seems random. It seems random. Why did you win the goyle? Why didn't it, it seems it happened? It's called luck. We call it luck. Why did this draw? Huh? Fate of the draw. Fate of the draw. Exactly. Why did this person win the the lottery for six hundred three hundred and sixty million dollars and I didn't? That's what a goyle is. He chose the right numbers. These numbers came out. There was no conspiracy. At least we have to hope so. Sure, there are conspiracy theorists about every goyro, right? Somehow somebody knew somebody. The goyro came out. These numbers were chosen out of the hat, as they say, out of the blue. It's called mazel. That's on one level. That's chitzonius externally. What Dabalatanya is introducing here is that goyro represents, even though externally it could be seen that way, but goyro represents something much deeper. What is it? He says, The concept of Geidel is that he attributes, he connects his Ratz and his desire with the source of Ratz. Meaning, This is called Ratz and Pashat. We'll explain what it means. Ratz and Pashat literally means a simple desire. Or a, a, a desire divested. Pashat, divested from other, other layers. In Sefer HaZoya, this is the concept known as Raiva the Chol Raiva. Raiva in Aramaic means Ratzin, desire. Raiva the Chol Raiva means the Ratzin of all the Ritzainas. The desire, so to speak, behind all of the desires. Raiva the Chol Raiva. Chol Raiva means all the desires. And Raiva is the desire behind, of all the desires, this is the desire. Which is beyond the regular revelation of desire. If somebody wins a girl, say there's a girl for something, like there's the lottery we spoke about, they drew they draw it and you win it. And somebody will come to you and say, Could you explain to me what's the connection between you and this victory? Does it have to do with your personality, with your history? And the answer is of course not. That's what a girl means. A, the reason we call a girdle random is because we're not choosing it based on virtue or some algorithm 
or some system. In other words, most things in life, or many things in life, you don't win through a girdle. You get them because somehow you... I mean, sometimes <laughs> it's it's just good luck. I mean, I guess a lot of things are good luck, which you call a girdle. But generally speaking, you know, you worked for this, and you ended up with this. And that's the system how we live our lives. You want to accomplish something, you dedicate time to it, you have to explore it, you have to study it, you have to figure it out. Hopefully, you're suited to the task, and then you can achieve. You can achieve success, a lot of Hatzlacha. That's not called Geidel. A person in life ought to look do I have certain talents? Do I have certain? Some people are better than others in different things. Every person is unique. There's a whole branch of people who go to coaches, right, to counsel them what type of career to choose in life. The exact opposite of Goyro. I want to ascertain and examine who you are. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are your virtues? What are your vices? What are you good at? Sometimes people invest their time and energy in things that they're not good at. These are things you have to hire somebody else. It's a mistake that a lot of people make. They're doing things that they're not good at. They have to learn it, and they're always making mistakes. Where really this you can delegate. A smart person is somebody who knows who to hire. (laughs) You have to know who to hire, who to delegate. Because generally the way a person lives life is, you try to match the project to the person. You don't throw somebody into an activity or a field of life that they have no shaykhs to, they have no connection. And you hope somehow they're going to win the lottery. You can't build a career based on you're going to win the lottery. It's not called building something. You have to build it on the right skill, the right talent, the right people. That's the opposite of good. That's called tam vidas. That's called being rational. And there's a lot of room for that in life. It's an important aspect of life. It's being rational and seeing this can produce this, this won't produce this. And many achievements a person achieves in life is as a result of that. You dedicated time and resources and energy to pursue this goal, hopefully successfully, hopefully there was a good match, and then you achieve it to one degree or another. When I ask you, why did you win the Geidel? Explain to me why you are not me. What's the answer? There's no answer. Azai, that's what the Geidel said. What, what do you mean? But it's not fear. It's not fair. Why did you? It's because you're more talented. It's because you deserve it. It's because you're trained for this. It's because you'll do a better job than me. No. If it's for those reasons, we didn't have to go into the girl. If something belongs to me, or something ought to belong to me, then that's not a concept of girl. Girl means that there's no reason to differentiate between this one and this one. That's why I don't have a choice. Why should you win and he should lose? So we throw a girl. What does the Geidel say? The Geidel says, it now belongs to you. Why? That's a ridiculous question. The Geidel doesn't work. It's not predicated on whys. That's how it is. So we call it luck. Random luck. Tomorrow I may win. The next day, you may win. The next day nobody will win, or so other people will win. We have a word for it. We call it luck. What does luck mean? It's good luck. You have good luck. No connection to you. But there's also the concept of going on the exact opposite. Not lower than Tam Vedas, but higher than Tam Vedas. <laughs> the connection is not a rational one. The connection is deeper 
than explaining it through rationality. And that's what the Goyal represents in the ultimate true sense of the word. It could seem random because it's deeper than Seichel. The relation, sometimes you're connected to something and you have an explanation why. There's a logic, there's a reason for it. It works in the world of Seichel. That's what we call Tam Vedas. Sometimes you have something, Lamatam Vedas, we spoke about. That's what we call just random luck. There's no reason for it. There's something called Lamayla Metam Vedas. Lamayla Metam Vedas means it's connected to you in a place and in a way that is deeper than any rational explanation. It's connected to your very essence, to your very core. That's what Goidel represents. The relationship between you and the Goidel is not more superficial. It's deeper. What makes it deeper? Makes it deeper is it's not defined and limited to the systems and world of logic and sense. Just like we explained about Mesiris Nefesh. There's a Mesiris Nefesh, Lamata Metam Vedas. There's Mesiris Nefesh, Alpitam Vedas. There's Mesiris Nefesh, Lamayla Metam Vedas. Lamata Metam Vedas means what's called indoctrination. You're actually not connected to it. You have been brainwashed, you have not used your mind, and a person sometimes makes decisions based on that. Those decisions are called blind. They're blind. Why are they blind? Because you actually don't see reality. Somebody indoctrinated you with material, with, with, with ideas or truths, and you may kill yourself for them. And sadly, we know about these experiences. If you open yourself up to reasoning, to scrutiny, to critical questions and examinations, you won't, because you know instinctively that that's dangerous. Because you may be disproven. That's, the, that's how cults work. All cults work this way. I want to shut your mind. I don't want to open your mind because minds are risque. Using a mind is dangerous. Once your brain is functioning, you may ask questions. If I could shut down your brain or repress it and scare you into something or convince you into something or, or just brainwash you into something, great. Then there is something called Tam Vedas. Tam Vedas now varies from, Tam Vedas, it varies. What's, what's Tam Vedas? What's logic? What's logical? Right, this, this primitive logic, this biased logic. Listen, uh, with logic you can justify almost anything, just logic itself. There's, there's, there's not a tyrant, I don't know if there's a tyrant in history who hasn't justified what he has done in logical words, in logical terms. For him it makes sense. It's very, very vulnerable. It's very pliable. Logic is pliable. Can schlep in a hair and schlep in a hair. The big debates now in the United States of America, everybody has logic on their side. But the truth is there's something deeper. And that's called Ratzon, desire. And Ratzon is deeper than Seichel. Even though it's hard for people to admit, but this is the truth. Ratzon is much deeper than Seichel. In fact, our Seichel is defined based on our Ratzon. That's why the says, Bribery affects people so deeply. Bribery doesn't mean that I receive a bribe and I maliciously pervert justice. That happens too sometimes. But bribery is much deeper. I don't know that I'm perverting justice. 
my bias defines my logic. I read an article from a professor in Harvard, a, uh, a scientist or a physicist, and it was an extraordinary confession. And he wrote that uh, all of our research explaining natural selection, which means evolution, of how life was formed some 15.3 billion years ago, supposedly, and how it developed. It sounds scientific, but I have to admit that underlying everything was a deep desire to demonstrate that religion is futile. Huh? Yeah. If I could just get rid of God, wipe him out of the equation, there's no need for it. Now, that was a tremendous, tremendous revelation. Why? Because this is a Ratzon that's underlying Seichel, and it's often unconscious. It's not always conscious. But that's what bribery means. Bribery means I'm biased. Why am I biased? Because I have a certain desire, but I may not identify it. It may be completely concealed. Huh? It's a good question. Is there prayer for that? To answer that question, should we should we call oh. this will rather than desire? Should Ratzon be turned? Will, will, yeah, will, will, yeah. I think, I think on the most basic level, the prayer is to identify it, <laughs> to be able to identify, to be able to identify my bias, to be able to identify the Ratzon behind my seichel. That I have prayer for. Yeah, yeah. So there is Ratz, that's what Ratzin Parshat means. Ratzin Parshat means Ritzainus itself. There's also many Ritzainus. You learn about something and you develop a will. That's not Ratzin Parshat. The word Parshat comes from the word Mufshat. Mufshat means divested, like a person is Upashat as Bagadav, we have in Chumash, right? We say it in the morning. What's Upashat as Bagadav? He removes his clothing, he strips the layers of garments on top of him. Mufshit means, lahafshit is, you have hefshit uh, vinituach in karbonus. Hefshit means skinning, removing the layers, removing the covers. Ratzin parshat means a ratzin that is a very interesting term. It's divested, it's, it's stripped from all the layers on top of it. Usually ratzin comes with a lot, a lot of layers. Doesn't come as pure ratzin. You spoke about this as being ratzin and the therapist is trying to get yeah. to Right. You think you're doing something for this reason. Right, but right, right. And here's the klal. The Balatanya said, uh, today it's already, uh, the recent mamash, the last few years, it became a big side. And that is, that if Ratzin has a reason, that's not the real Ratzin. <laughs> it always sounded like, if you have reasons, oh, that's it. No, no. The reasons are the cloaks, they're the levushim, they're the garments. The Ratzin gets dressed up in them because it's, it's, it's packaged better. But that's not what's going on. Where you can identify a tr- much truer layer in a person is that's called Ratzin Pashat. Ratzin Pashat means a Ratzin that's Mufshat, a Ratzin that's divested. It's stripped from any layers. So you'll say, why? And the answer is, this is a place that precedes why. This is who I am. This is who I am. And everybody has such a Ratzin. And everybody has it. Everybody has it. And when I could go to that place, that's where healing happens. 
because that's where I'm getting in touch with the core of, of, of the pain or the core of the joy or the core of the need, the void, the attachment or the wound. That's where it is. It's not a comfortable place to be, especially if you consider yourself a logical person and you sit down on the couch by your therapist and you explain everything. Everything is explained. And you're eloquent too, so you have biurim and explanations and rashi and toisvus and marsham and amshif and shoyim and achroyim on your whole life. But this is all bubamises. It's all, it's a gardener, it's bubkis. That's not what's going on. And, 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 and you'll go, but, but, but why? But why? You go deeper. You have to be mafshit. You know, you're wearing like 20 layers of clothes. You gotta, you gotta be mafshit. One layer, one layer, one layer, one layer. And at the end, what is it gonna be? This is who I am. And I'm not gonna be able to give you a reason. It's like, I'm not gonna have a mathematical or some logical or brilliant philosophical reason. This is Rotson. So it's called Rotson Poshut. I wouldn't call it irrational, I would call it super rational. Super rational. Not irrational, but super rational. The Indian of Ratzin is not to dafka be irrational. That's not the mitzvah here. That's another type of bias. I have to be a mashugana. It's it's pre rational. It's super rational. No, so it's because because the, the neshama has a rotzen pasha. The only thing is that the rotzen is is could be so cloaked in so many in so many conceptual garments that it's very very hard to get there to by touch it. Definition, can you can you if it's a super, yeah. uh, something by definition, my consciousness can't uh, right it. So right. It seems like a concept that you strive for. You could pay a, a lot of money to a, to a psychotherapist to get to a point where he agrees that it's your Ratzon Pasha, but he may be full of... Of course, of course. I was just giving a marshal, yeah. I don't mean that every therapist is... At the end of the day, does it take the separation of good and, and Shoma for a person to understand what his real self is? That's my question. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I, I assume there's... A, Many levels in that itself. So yes, to a, a certain degree, you would be right. But even within the gov, yeah. So there would be variations. In of course, of course. What a person perceives in this. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, uh, like we learned in Vyadaita, you know, all awareness that's processed through the gov is ultimately mitigated, right? I mean, those limits are inherent. In Zohar, this is the expression called "raiva the chal raivin." Raiva the chal raivin means. The Ratzin of all the Ritzainas. What means the Ratzin? The Ratzin behind all the Ritzainas. Because there could be so many desires and yearnings and wills, but what's the Raiva, the Chal Raivan, the Nekuda, the, the Pnimius of it? And that's always inborn. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's my innermost core. It's not the same saints. It's not the same saints. Part of as you nature nurture that's something you don't discuss. Quite a bit dormant. So it sounds like a journey journey back to oneself. Yes, yes, yes. So this, he says, is reflected. This is what's defined as the word geidel. Why I'm asking why geidel, right? It's contradiction in terms. That's what a geidel represents on a spiritual level. 
That's the concept. The Pasuk says that the girl comes from Hashem. So, on one level, you say, Yeah, Hashem wanted it to happen. That's why the girl, you won the girl. On a deeper level, what it means is this is what girl represents. My connection to something is not, Oh, rationally, this is yours. Rationally, it's not mine. So, why is it mine? And the answer is that in this place, there's no why that needs an answer. Because this is it. This this is this is my truth. This is my innermost core. By a Jew, the Ratzin beyond all the Ritzin is the Raiva the Chol Raivin. The Balatanya once said in Yiddish, Ayid, Nishter Vil, or Nishter Ken, Zain Abgeshet von Getlichkeit. It's an expression. A Jew, not he wants or she wants, nor can he be separated from godliness. This encapsulates this idea. What does it mean? Ayid nishta vil nishta ken. But what's ken If I want, I could. The answer is, you could on external levels. That you could. In your innermost rotsa, the rotsa pashat, the raiva, the chol raivin, is one with the eight saif. Like he said earlier in Peter Ches, that you'll have a person, you'll give him all the wealth in the world, all the covet in the world, alts in the welt, and there's a void. Sometimes his only connection with Raiva the Raivin is that he has a void. He doesn't know what's the void. But the void itself is pointing to it. There's a void. There's something missing. And remember, it's very hard to admit this. This is not an easy thing to embrace. And that's why I'm going to try everything else to fill this void. And I'm going to go to extremes often to fill this void. And if my bias is very, very deep, often my bias will stand behind and not let me go anywhere else. Why? Because there's something fueling a lot of what I'm doing or what I'm not doing, and I'm going to make it make sense to me. Why am I going to make it make sense to me? Because I'm being distracted from my inner, innermost core. And you'll sometimes see... And, and oh, it's hard to argue this point in a laboratory because it doesn't work that way. But you'll sometimes see a person, they invest, they follow a certain pattern in life. And they have a whole philosophy behind it. And when you speak to them, they're very, very soft-spoken and very, very tolerant and extremely, extremely logical, quote-unquote, and it's all a facade. What's the facade based on? It's based on a certain deep, deep rotsen, which is still an external rotsen. It's not the raiva, the chorayven, but some deep rotsen. And it's the ultimate bribe. <laughs> it's the ultimate bribe that is fueling all the explanations in the world. And I'll find a justification for everything. It's offensive when people don't want to discuss it anymore. Yeah. They'll, and they'll get very angry at you. <laughs> well, you'll touch that. They will blow. Why, why are they getting so angry? So many shkarim. So many let. They'll get so angry at you. When you, will, when you will try to burst that bubble, they will defend it like a lioness and a lion defend their territory. Here's the skin. Baylor. Tissues. Baylor. You attach to the bone and everything's stripped away. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that is that is nature or nurture. What is that's before anything? Okay, so there's obviously a rotsen, there's, you know, there's things from nurture and there's things from nature, and very often it's a combination of, of both. Like the Rambam says in Hilchus Deus, that many of a person's uh, attributes, you know, were born with a sensitivity or a proclivity, you're prone to them, and then nature often accentuates it and brings it out. So that itself is so complex. What comes from nature, what comes from nurture, what comes from the combination of the both? It usually takes two to... <laughs> it's nature and nurture together that usually uh, develops a person. But, but the rutsen that we're talking about here is the nature. It's the other things that are the, you know, the nurture and, and it's the cover-up that's... That. Yeah. Now we're saying that in rutsen itself, there's a lot of the soyness. The but then there's the Ratzon Pashat. And the Ratzon Pashat in the Jew, you go deeper and deeper and deeper. The Ratzon Pashat is Raivet, the Chor Raivet, that there's a relationship, a oneness with Hashem that is absolutely at the core that he can't separate from. He doesn't want to and he can't. And the reason he doesn't want to is because he can't. And the reason he can't is because he doesn't want to. What's Pshat? This is who I am. That's not Tam Vidas. So it's not, this is not a mysterious nefesh as an investment. I invest and I'm going to get something. I want this and I want that because of this and because of that. The why and the because don't apply here. They apply in different realms, but not in this realm. In this realm, it's not a why and it's a because. It's an essential, innate, intrinsic relationship that is unbreachable and unbreakable. And when a person opens himself up to this, he's opening himself up to his truest self, to, and therefore to his truest self-expression. Everything after that is just a layer that eclipses it, covers it. That's what the Geidel represents. So I say, I want what the Geidel wants. The Geidel is going to decide. But says the Geidel is going to decide on a deeper level. What does it mean the Geidel is going to decide? It's going to, what's the connection to me? It's random. What looks like random is really deeper than anything else. Because it's not based on a rhyme or a reason, which I can argue with, I can debate, I can refute, maybe yes, maybe not. And generally, the deeper in Ratzon you're going to go, the more and more you will graduate from the world of Tam into the world of Ratzon. Yeah, we start Mamatala Maila, yeah. You said the Torah is, is a representation of the Maybe it's a, just the sum of incidental things. You, you saw the numbers, and it's one, six. Because God doesn't play dice with the universe. <laughs> to quote Professor Einstein. So it's, 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 it's even more important. Okay. Especially if Haman chooses... Uh... Oh, okay, one second. Now we'll soon see what Haman was thinking. When did he come to this Geidel's? How many Maimarim did Haman learn? That's the question. Okay. This brings us into the concept of Purim. In some ways, it's loftier than Yom Kippur. Why? Because 
says in Zoya Tikuni Zoya that Yoim Akipurim. Purim al Shem Yom Kippurim is Kiriyas. That's the Lashon of the Kunizer. Purim is named because of Yom Kippur. At the surface, it doesn't may seem to make sense. Kippurim means atonement, kapara. Purim is al Shem Apur Hu It's two different things, but the name is the same. But the Balatanya is Medayikir Amoyde Dikithing. We call it Yom Ha Kippurim. If we're learning Kippurim Lashon Kapara, Yom Ha Kippurim, the day of Kippurim, the day of atonement. But loy dipshat and zayah yoyim akipurim is al shem. It's connected to purim. Comes out that this is kipurim, like purim. That's called a chaf adimyan, a chaf that compares two things to each other. Why is it not called yoyim akipurim? He says because purim is deeper than yoyim kipur. Yoyim akipurim is it's kipurim. Whenever you're comparing one thing to another thing, so that's the highlight. And now you're comparing. This is the this is the source, and then ah. Uh, this is right. This is the paragon. This is the paradigm. This is the archetype, as they call it. And now, a person is trying to uh, to to use a back to use a picture and make a painting from it. So this is the iker, and everything is copying it. So he says, "Yoy ma kipurim." It's like purim. That means it's higher than purim. Vo'inyan hu kach liyoyz shagam b'yoy ma kipurim or you inyan agayrolus b'shnei asidim l'fnei asham. The fascinating thing is that Yom Kippur. A major avoid of Yom Kippur was also Goyrol. What happened? The Kayin Gadol, present parshas Ashrei Mois, v'nosan Ashnei Asirim Goyrolos lifnei Hashem. The Kayin Gadol made a Goyrol. He had a box, and he took out from the box. There were two notes. One said Lashem, one said Lazozel, and he placed it on two goats. He had a goat on his right and a goat on his left. And he would take these two things out of the box, place it on the two goats. The goat that got the Lahashem was offered in the Besamikdash, and its blood was taken in to the Holy of Holies, the Kaidash Akadashim, once a year, and sprinkled in front of the Aran Achas Lamaila Vashavalamata. And then he would sprinkle it in the Heichel in front of the Parochas. And then by the Mizbeach, this was called the Sayyar Lashem. And then there was a second goat that got the Lazazel. And this goat became what they call in English the scapegoat. The English term scapegoat comes from this goat, because this goat, it says, carried on it all the burdens, all the sins of the Jewish people, and it went to the Azazel mountain. Why did this goat get to go into the Holy of Holies and this goat go to Azazel? That's a f- why? I don't know why, because he was Zoycha <laughs> What's the why? Nobody made. Nobody had a connection with one goat. Fakai, the Mishnah says in Yuma, the mitzvah is that the two goats have to be identical in countenance and how they look, in height and in value, in domim. In other words, when you're looking at the goat, you can't say, oh, this goat belongs here, this goat belongs here. They're identical. If they're identical, why did you end up here? Why did you end up here? The answer is there was a girdle. How does a goyrl solve the problem? Well, that's what a goyrl is. Goyrl means bad luck or good luck or different luck. Let's call it different luck. So Yom Kippur, we also have a goyrl. And the the Chazal say it has to be identical. So it emphasizes how much the goyrl is is, is relevant here. Because without the goyrl, there's no differentiation. You wouldn't even know the difference. When you're talking about Goyrel, in its truest idea, it's again, you're dealing with a Rotz and Poshet. 
See how he says it. It's not that it's random. Its connection to you is beyond Tam Vedas. You're not going to be able to explain rationally why you belong here, why you belong there. And in life, we have both aspects. We say in the morning, Ashreinu matoy chelkeinu. Umanoyim goyroleinu. What's the difference? What's the difference between chelkeinu goyroleinu? Chelkeinu means my chelik, my lot, my portion. Goyroleinu means our lot. Also our lot, but our goyrolat. There's a big difference. Chelkeinu is your chelik in life that belongs to you rationally. This is my chalik in the world, you know, this is, this is my home, this is my career, this is my vocation, this is what I made of myself. You look into the mirror and you say, this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm not good at, this is what I'm going to pursue, this makes sense for me, this is the way I'm going to go, and you go there. And Be'ezer Hashem, you amass a certain hatzlocha, a certain fortune, and that's chalkeinu. And there are things that you encounter on your journey in life that it makes sense. This is where I belong. This is what makes sense. Then there's another element in life. And everybody has this element. It's called goiro. You look at this reality and you ask one question. Why me? How in the world did I end up here? Vikum to Samir. Huh? Almost everything. <laughs> you say almost everything. Okay. Well, you say Hashem made a goiro? This Shia too? <laughs> yeah. You say Hashem made a goiro. That's how I want to... Huh? A goyro represents something that if I look rationally it's just not connected to me. Or there's no reason it should be connected to me more than to anybody else. Who had this feeling in the most powerful way? This was Esther. When Esther is told by Mardukai what happened. What does she tell Mardukai? She says, I can't do anything about it. Why? You can't go into my husband's palace to his chamber without permission. And if he doesn't stretch out his scepter and give it to you, you come out of his office with a head shorter. I haven't been summoned to the king for 30 days. He has other interests these days. There's nothing I can do. Like as a call of the Amalek Yoidim, that's how she starts. Everybody knows, everybody knows. This is common knowledge, Yoidim. That if you go in without permission, it doesn't give you the Sharvet of the golden scepter, you're dead. You don't. Next. You call the Hebrew Kadisha. So what's the point? You want me to go in, get killed, so who's gonna be saved? Not me and not the Jews. What does Mordechai answer? We would expect Mordechai to say. That if you don't do it, all the Jews are going to die, you have to take risks. He doesn't say that. Instead, Mordechai says that Revach v'atzala yamid la Yehudim ha'machem If you're going to be quiet and passive, though, the Jews will be safe without you. It's a great way to encourage somebody, you know? You think I need you? We don't need you. <laughs> People don't think about this. Who answers like this? I need you! If not you, the whole world is going to fall. That's how people motivate. You ever hear motivational, uh, they try to summon you for a job. It's all you, 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 you. Mordechai says, no, no, no. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to sell you any Mises. I'm not going to sell you no Pissim or Namses. I'm not going to sell you a Brooklyn Bridge and a George Washington Bridge. 
but You're going to lose the opportunity. And then he adds, at the end, now you're reaching the punchline. Who knows? Who knows if this is not the reason you became a queen? Davinez says, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. So I want you to go risk your life, sacrifice yourself, because maybe... I would say maybe not. Maybe it's not the reason I became a queen. This is more like I was saying something very, very deep, very deep. Esther says, "Call Everybody knows. Mordechai's response is, "Mi Who knows? There's a big difference. Esther speaks in certainty. Everybody knows that if you go into this dictator, to this despot, to this tyrant, who they call my husband, without permission, even his wife. He chops off your head. He did it to my predecessor, Vashti. She didn't show up at the right time. She's dead. I'll show up at the wrong time. I'm also dead. Tells you how much regard she had for uh, her husband. Right? This is Everybody knows this. It's not my... It's common knowledge. What's Mordechai's response? Umi idea. Who knows? <laughs> Umi idea. But the truth is, there was a very profound conversation here. Alpipnimius, there was a very profound conversation here. Esther was no Esther was a very brilliant lady. I mean, you see her scheme later. We once gave a spoke about what Esther's plan was. She was a very p- profound person. But Esther was saying something. Bain Hashurus Esther was intimating something. What she was intimating was there's something off here. I'm a good Jewish girl. I'm a regular girl. Valedictorian Beis Yaakov. Or by Sruchel, or by Sorub, or whatever, by Srifka, or whatever. I don't mean to. Huh? Shalamis, Zain Shalamis, whatever you want. Vikumtis, where do I come here? Where do I come here to end up in a bedroom, in a palace, with this despot? And now I need to go into him. This whole relationship from the beginning seems so strange and incomprehensible. Why me? Unfair. Yeah, so unfair, so unjust. And what does Mordechai answer her? Mordechai says to her something very deep, and this is his punchline. After everything's said and done, he says, So Chesidus Taichas, Miyadeya means, it's not, I don't know, I'm flimsy, yeah, maybe, maybe not. You don't send somebody to death. Based on a mi idea, right? Guys, go to Normandy. Mi idea, maybe we'll win Hitler. It's not how it works. It's not how a commander works. Not mi idea. We know the worst thing in battle is lack of determination, lack of decisive goals and ends. It's the worst thing to the catastrophe of Israel in the Second Lebanon War. When you're decisive. And you know your goals, and there's a determination, everything changes. The moment you put in a idea, eh, maybe we're fighting for the right thing, for the wrong thing, you're dead, dead. That was the special advantage of Churchill in the Second World War. He gave Europe a decisive goal. Like we're gonna fight on the beaches, and we're gonna fight in the air, and we're gonna fight in the water, and we're gonna fight on land. 
we will never surrender. What did it do? It gave Europe the courage to fight the most evil man in the history of humanity, Adolf Hitler. The worst thing you can do to a people or a nation is indecisiveness. And the same is true with your own Yetzirah also. The worst thing is indecisiveness. Indecisiveness means I'm not sure. If I'm not sure, then somebody else is going to win. What Mordechai was telling Esther is not I'm not sure. There are some things in life that are higher than Das. Who knows? It did not come into the world of Das. Your mission in this world is not something that I can explain rationally based on your yichis, your genetics, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your nature, your nurture, your mahalach, your chalois, your personality, your character, that Esther HaMalka deserves to be the first lady of the Persian Empire. Like, you know, when you were six years old, we always knew you're marrying the king. You know when they tell that to you? When you were six, right, we knew you're going to be the president of the United States or at least the vice president. It's not how life works. And all the biographies of G'daylem, already at the age of four, he knew Tanakh and Mishnayis Balpeh. At the age of eight, he already finished Yerushalmi. At the age of 12, he knew everything there is to know. There are individuals like that. <laughs> but somehow it's generic, right? Generic. You can, you can always know the, the first few chapters of, of, of the biography without even reading it. There's a concept, Butzen, Butzen, Makat Yediyah. The Gemara says in Brachas, right? Sometimes a child, you see a lot. You know, you look at a child, you say, You're, this guy's going to go very, very far. You can see it. You can see this person at already 13. We know what his career is going to be. We know how much money he's going to have. You could see it sometimes. But some things, it's idea. It's beyond us. That's called Goidel. The connection between me and the Goidel is not up does. Why me not you that means it's not connected to me. It means it's connected to me in a way that's deeper than Das. In other words, it's connected to my essence. It's not filtered through the symptom of Das. Extrapolating that, but people have bad, bad things happen in their lives. They're not sleeping. And they feel they've been the object of Koro. Yeah. They feel that the random yeah, Koro yeah, yeah. them. The real answer or non answer to them is that there are some things that are, that's not yeah, Koro. Yeah, but yeah. not the way they think. Right. We think of Gerdel as blind fate, being in the wrong place in the wrong time. So the truth is, there's no answer to it. When somebody starts giving reasons, they're off the mark. But not because they had bad fate, but because it's deeper than a why. In the mucker. But many things then assume layers and garments of, of Seichel. Falsely. Falsely. Depends how falsely. Sometimes it could... Depends. If the Seichel eclipses the Ratzin, it's false. If the Seichel channels the Ratzin through Seichel, then it's true. You understand? Yeah. That's hard. Huh? That's not easy. Yeah. There was a big argument, one example, there was a big argument in the early generations of Chassidus how the teachings of the Baal should be uh, filtered, should be conveyed. It was the Balatanya versus a lot of his colleagues. Shlomo Kaliner, the Rebbe Avram of Kalisk, Rebbe Baruch Mezhebush, I mean, big people. Their taina was that Chassidus is fire. It's nuclear energy. It's a muna. 
It's being Megala the Neshama. You'll see all the Chesidish forms we got the Neshama of Ayid, the Kedusha of Ayid, the Dveikas of Ayid, the Derotzen of Ayid. That's what it is. The Balatanya was extremely philosophical. And Chochabad, Chochmabina, you see the Maimarim explains and explains. You take any shtickle purim from any chesedish sefer, it's one paragraph. It says a gevort, and here he has dozens of maimonim and purim with long explanations, long biura. It was a big argument. They said that this is, uh, it's compromising the integrity. It's, uh, it's diluting the energy. Balatanya's taina was, it's true that the nekud of dveikas is rots and poshut. The point of Seichel, of Chachma bin Adas, is to become a channel that doesn't obstruct the Ratzin, but channels it. So it's not that Chachma bin Adas, which are the faculties of Seichel, ought to become the predominant feature. But what happens is a person has a mind, and a person has rationality. If the Ratzin is not channeled through them, so then the Ratzin could remain hidden in the core, and in a conscious way, a person becomes unaware of it. The point is that the seichel should become a filter that doesn't obstruct and eclipse the deep emunah, mesiris nefesh, and ratzen of a Jew. They should flow through each other. It should become a seamless whole. So that's, that's, that's the nekudah. So now when Esther says, everybody knows, I know everybody knows, but I'm telling you, your, your position in this Malchus is a place that's and therefore with Das, you're not, gonna, you're not going to reach this place. It's a place that's and this inspired Esther to go on Messiris Nefesh beyond Das. This inspired Esther more than anything else. She heard the Mi'aidea. To access your Mi'aidea, you have to be ready to go to a place that's higher than Das. And that's not easy. It's a big risk. This inspired, this triggered and aroused in Esther the conviction. And the next scene, she right away tells Mordechai, go gather the Jews, and I'm going to the Melech v'chasher avadati. And she goes... So now when you have to name Purim, Chazal didn't, they, we look at Purim, we say a random name. <laughs> Purim means randomness, Goyrel. It's a random name. No, no, looks like a random name. It's not a random name. This is the essence of the story. As we'll soon see, Haman knew this too. Haman also came to a few Shurim and looked at Torah. And Torah, I don't know when, where, what. But apparently Haman is considered in high regard by the Chachmei Anister in terms of some uh, spiritual intelligence that he had. His hatred to Jews was a deep, deep hatred, recognizing something about the Jewish people that a lot of others didn't. Is Esther's response of Avadati, Avadati, is that a recognition of the Ratzon Pashat? Yeah, yeah. Because Avadati would mean that she's saying whatever it is. Right. If I'm lost, I'm lost. So that means that she is acknowledging the... Right. Esther didn't say, I'm going to go in, and do you know what type of Olam Haba I'm going to get? And do you know what type of Schar I'm going to get? And do you know that forever, 2,600 years later, they're going to sit in Munsi early in the morning and speak about Esther? <laughs> and the whole Megillah will be named for me, Megillah Esther. When Esther said those words, Kashavadati, Avadati, there was nothing. 
Just like when Rus told Naomi, where you go, I go, where you sleep, I sleep, she didn't know that 3,000 years later, people, the night of Shavuos, or the day of Shavuos, will talk about Rus and extol her. She didn't know that. We know it, not she. She didn't know that Mashiach is going to come from her and her great-grandson is going to be David HaMelech. She didn't know that. She was a Moabite convert who said, where you go, I go, your people are my people, your God is my God. That's it. It doesn't obey that you imply that there's Yish, and therefore she was, her circle was saying, she's walking away from it. I don't think Yish. Aveda could be Yish. But the Gemara already says, Yish Shaloi Midas. That's what I'm asking. Oh. Sublimation. Oh, so there's a vote. Yeah. There's a vote from the Rujana. Yiyush Shaloi Midas. Whenever there's Yiyush in life, it's because there's no Das. But he means Lamatamatam Vidas. Right. No. Of course not. Not only she didn't give up, she planned methodically what she's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So she was saying, she was throwing her girl She was, yeah. I'm not going to figure this out rationally. I'm not going to figure this out. I'm not going to sit here and become a rationalist and figure out, calculate with calculation. She planned it. So she went up. She went up, she, completely she up. Yeah. yeah. But she planned it methodically. She invited him to a party. Somebody had to arrange a party. I mean, she had to call the caterer. She had to call the florist. She had to call the chef. There was a menu. At the party, she invited him to another party. She, this was not... This wasn't Esther just becoming a uh, frivolous person. Ah, I'll die. She wasn't going on a suicide mission. This really empowered It empowered her. It empowered her with something much deeper than anything she could imagine until now. It got her in touch with a place in her that is beyond Das. A much deeper place in her. A place of infinity. A place where her Ratzin is now connected to the source of all the Ritzainas. She's excited like the Alter Rebbe, because now she's starting to work out the Seichel. Always. Yeah. She started with the Ratzin and you yeah. the Seichel to challenge Yes, the yes, the yes, yeah. That's the whole point. That the Seichel becomes a channel for the Ratzin, rather than an obstruction. So you have, every Jew has a Muna, every Jew has a Messias Nefesh, every Jew has a Ratzin. But very often there's a detachment. The Ratzon Parshat is somewhere in the deep, deep, deep cellars of the unconscious, the super-rational conscious, which is still amazing. It's incre- And it will, it will come out. Sometimes it comes out in the negative, in the void, in the desperation, right? In the atheism. Sometimes it comes out in the positive at certain special moments in history that you have seen, we see in Jewish history. Glorious, glorious moments, unparalleled in terms of conviction and dedication of Mr. Nefesh. And sometimes a Jew may even be living a Jewish life, but on a conscious level, there's very little connection between the conscious life and this deep connection. Why? Because there's like two worlds. There's my Ratz and Pach that I don't even know about, and then there's me. I know who I am. That's why the Balatanya was so, was so uh, sensitive about sensitive. There was also another big issue, and he felt that in his generation there were many great tzaddikim, really big tzaddikim. Like when you saw Rebbe Yitzchak of Baditch of Davin, you had to be moved, unless you were insane or mamish stuffed, you know, or traumatized from here to China, you had to be moved. You were moved. You had a generation of Kedosh alien. He knew that that may not last forever, right? So even though you have many good Jews, you may not have tzaddikim of that caliber. And if you don't have the ability 
to be able to find this through your own means and with your own identity and be able to really appreciate this in your own personality and character, a lot of that flame, a lot of that light may come close to being extinguished. Because they felt there's no need to educate people how to process this on their own, using their minds. The best thing is a person should connect to a tzaddik, and the tzaddik will be a fireball of inspiration. And that will trigger your own amuna. You'll see it in him, and, and it will trigger in you. And why the need to develop people and, and with, with this sense of independence and creativity and use your mind and, and it could get very philosophical and the energy can get diluted. This was a serious argument. It was not a small argument. But one of the issues was, how long is that going to last? So in our context, what does this mean? That the Ratzin Parsha, the Gerdel, should be able to be accessed and flow through the vehicles of a person's personality, even the more external ones. And Seichel is the one of the most powerful vehicles, because that's how we process life. We're supposed to process life that way. We're not supposed to be zombies. We use our minds. And that's why this could be a lot of cynicism. Cynicism comes from the fact when your Seichel is detached from your core, and it's very painful, when your Seichel is detached from your core, like in a deep place, you're connected, but rationally, it's all a joke. So Purim is like so Yom Kippur is like Purim. Yom Kippur is also Shnei the two goats. You look at the two goats, imagine two people, they're identical. One goat ends up in Azazel, one goat ends up in Kedosh HaKadosh. You have two brothers in the same family. The Svasamis writes in Yuma, how do you get two twins that are identical in height and value and looks? He says it has to be twins. Twins could be identical. Now it's a mitzvah but the evidence is not ma'akif. So you have twins, you have two siblings, they're identical. Height, money, and looks. Spiritual too. Their parents invested the same money in both of them. They went to the same system. They went through the same system. They're identical. One ends up in the Kedush Hakadoshim, and one ends up on a cliff. So often we'll say, "Ah, it's because the yeshiva, it's because the mother, it's because the father, it's because the uncle, it's because this happened, that happened." Right? We give rational reasons, and now sometimes there are things you have to look at. Rectify. But there's also a concept of Geidel. The concept of Geidel means people have different missions in the world. You don't always know. We sometimes look at certain children of ours, they go different ways, and parents do a Shamnu for the next 40 years with Al Chait and what did I do wrong, etc., etc. And of course, you have to repair what you did wrong and do tshuva and ask forgiveness and try to be a better person and, and closer to your child. But you also have to remember that there's often an element of goyrol. Goyrol means different souls have different shlichus in the world. And it's a very humbling thought. It's a very humbling thought, because it's a place of idea. And the way to access it is not by becoming an expert. It's by opening yourself up to that in yourself and in the other person. And when a person can embrace that, it empowers them. Because you realize that this is connected to, to your core. Even if rationally I never saw it coming. 
a lot of curveballs in life, like a good curveball in sports, you didn't see it coming. So you didn't see it coming only because your mind is not a vessel for that level of energy. But the essence, the essence is connected to that. Your essence is connected to that. What you're calling a curveball, or what we call here a goyrel, doesn't mean it's random. It means it's the deepest, it's the deepest, it's the deepest part of you. Chosen. It's chosen. And when you choose it, it becomes your most real choice. Because it's, it's stemming from you yourself. It's, it becomes your deepest choice. Okay. One of the deepest moments I had in my own life about Shane Goral. Twin brothers who were younger than me. One is gone. They're about seven years younger. He died of lung cancer. He was twenty. He was diagnosed at twenty-eight. He was a medical resident at Columbia. He died when he was thirty-two. Four years later, he was a deep, deep. So he studied a lot of medical ethics and rules. He went to Eretz Yisrael to start with the report to help burn. He knew all the people, study all the people. He was a deep medical ethics person. He had expertise in it. He died of lung cancer. The day we came to Sloan Kettering, my parents didn't even know yet. I came with his twin, my twin mayor, who's still with us. I came with mayor. Younger, younger. Mayor's older. Mayor's the older twin. They were identical. Mayor was the older. And I came with Mayor and Joseph. Joseph's daughter's deceased. To Sloan Kettering. Double, to register. Double Mayor Yosef. Yosef. I came to Sloan Kettering. We came to... We were going to have a tree at Sloan Kettering. Plenty of surgery. My parents didn't even know yet. Penny was over. came to Sloan Kettering. We found out. I was, you know, I had connections to find out who was what. We came into red. The first thing he says, first thing you come here, you get a card with a unit number. That's going to be for all your time in Sloan Kettering. That's going to be your number. We come to the registrar. And I walk up to my brother, Mayor, and Joseph, this registrar. She told me she's sitting there all day giving out your numbers. She looked at us with a bored look. You know, she's doing this all day. She looked at the two of them with a bored look. And she says, okay, which one's the patient? And it was a moment that I, I can't even describe what I thought about that moment, about the Sikirim and your Kipper and, and Goral. And, and he, he ended up dying of his disease four years later. It was, it was a difficult four years, you can imagine. And his older brother's mayor was with us, as successful in real estate, whatever. That's when I, I understood what would go wow. that time. Which one is the patient, huh? Right. That's what she put with the most bored look on her face because right. she's processing coffee. She looks at two and they're just been doing this for 20 okay, years. Okay. Which one's the patient? Yeah. It was just a powerful. Almost like a gyro, huh? Yeah, it was just. Huh? How do you answer that? It was just. But it was just. But I just. That's when I first understood the whole concept of Goro and Kipper and Kipper. The Rav has the whole thing. I'll send it to you. I'll find it. Where he says that because the Gemara's Megillah says this two psukim for Chayavel and Makros Lishnos Vayom, one is Elakayakri Yomam, and one is, I forgot, one is unbelievable Simcha, and one is the most desolate. What Esther was saying on the way to Hashverish Elakayakri Yomam. He says, because both aspects of Purim. So one, he says, we commemorate with Tanis Esther, which is the, 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 the Goral, the, the Sebrae, the whole randomness. He says the whole Milgila is Goral, it's random. Achashverish, I can Mordechai, her, the whole thing, it's Esther's answer, but the whole thing is random. But, but we couldn't come, there was no way in one holiday right. to put those two motifs together, so we had yeah, to separate. That's why he said you have to wait till after you finish uh, the Megillah to eat to break your fast because it's really it's all one camel for a wow. I'll, 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 I'll find you I'll send you
How old was your brother when he passed away? He was 32 when he passed away. He was 28 when he was diagnosed. He was married? He was single. He was seeing someone. She had to her grudge. She stuck with him through the whole thing. Really? Yeah. A son? A brother. A brother. Thank you for sharing. Shalom Aleichem. Welcome. Ruchim Abayim. How are you? Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Which patient? Which one is the patient? Ach mekomakayim hayatali ba'ifin hatshuva. Nonetheless, even though Yim Kippur, as he put it in the line earlier, is Tali B'Bchinis Ratzin Pashat Mekayr Kalaritzainis. The idea of the Gairalis, that you're connecting, you're suspending the decision, you're removing the decision from your own rational uh, frame of mind, and you're conferring it on the Gairal. So on one level, it looks like it's just random, who cares? But on another level, we explained, this represents that you're attributing, you're connecting the decision to what's called Ratzin Pashat, the will of a person, and not just the will, the will that's divested of any layer, which is Mekar as the source of all the wills. The deepest, deepest level of will, which is the source of all the other ritzainas, that really it boils down to the deepest, deepest ratzen. And that's true in life. Also we see that the deeper you go into a person's essence, the less diversity and the more the will becomes unified. In other words, if I ask you, what do you want in life? Well, a person wants a lot of things. right? What do you really want in life? Well, it's a little less. What do you really, really, really want? And according to the Balatanya, it's going to come down to a Ratzin Pashat, a deep, deep Ratzin Mekar Kalar Then there's the Ratzin of, this is true of every creature. And then there's the uniqueness of the Ratzin of a Jew. Like we said yesterday, Ayid Nishta Vil, Nishta Ken, Zaina Nifrit for Nalakosi, once said a Jew. He can't, nor does he want to be separated from truth, from godliness. Mm-hmm. So that's called Makir Kolaritzayinus, or Raiva the Chol Raiva. So that's what the Geidel represents, that I'm suspending, I'm being Tyler, the decision on the Ratzin Pashat, which, yes, you could call it random, but it's anything but random. It's actually deeper rooted in the person than any rational explanation. Nonetheless, there's a difference between Yem Kippur and Purim. As he said, Yem Kippurim is like Purim. Because by Yim Kippur, it depended on the manner of tshuva. Shara Yim Kippur, ene mechaper built Yim dafka. Yim Kippur atones through tshuva. It's true in Gemari Meseches Shvuas, there's a machlaikas between the Chachamim and Rabbi. If itzumay shal yoy mechaper, if the day itself atones with tshuva, without tshuva, yeah. or you need tshuva, the Rambam Paskins, Itzumer Shalyoy Mechaper Lishavim. That the day of Yom Kippur atones, the Etzim day, it atones for the person who does Tshuva. So Yom Kippur, the highlight is Tshuva. Agam Chetshuva. Hibchines Tshuva Law. And even though the Tshuva we're talking about is called Tshuva Law, which means a deeper level of Tshuva. Hibchines Mesidis Nefesh, which is Tshuva. A complete oneness, a complete dedication. 
the tshuva of Mesidus Nefesh, where there's complete vacas. You have tshuva, a lower level of tshuva, which is remorse. I did something wrong and I apologize, which is, which is basic and wonderful and extraordinary. That's called tshuva tata. A person made a mistake and you apologize. You regret the past, you make a resolution for the future, that's tshuva tata. Tshuva law means revealing the part of the person that never went astray, the part of the person that was never perverted, the part of the person that never sinned, the complete vekas, the complete oneness that we always had, that you always had at your core. That's called tshuva law. That's why it says, It's the level, the reality of Mesiris Nefesh we've been talking about earlier. In the beginning of Pedakhas. That's the Chuva of Yom Kippur. Mikomakoim im Chuva. This Chuva is with a simcha. This Chuva is with a sense of exaltedness and pride and joy and dignity because the person reveals a part that was never broken, a part that was always, always wholesome, that no sin and no mistake and no error can destroy. All a person's mistakes, all a person's sins can only affect a certain dimension of the self. But there's a certain core nakuda that remains absolutely whole and confident and divine and under all circumstances. It could never ever be affected. That's called the tshuva law. Tshuva law is always with a simcha. And that's generally the tshuva of Yom Kippur. The tshuva of Yom Kippur is this type of tshuva. So he says that's true. Nonetheless, still Yom Kippur needs this movement, this notion, this experience of tshuva. Tshuva ilo, kiyadua, as it's now. Chines Purim, yesh b'yistin, ma'ilam ha'she'en b'yem ha'kippurim. Purim has something that even Yom Kippur doesn't have. And that's why we call it Yom HaKippurim, which means it's like Purim which sounds like, which intimates that Purim is higher. Yem HaKippurim is like Purim. It's similar to Purim. But it's still not like Purim. What's the mile of Purim? This is what we said before. That the whole year, from after the Gzaira of Haman, which came out in Nisan, for the next 11 months... <laughs> Till you'd give other, the Jewish people, as he said, every single Jew stood with Mesiris Nefesh, with complete dedication, and nobody, nobody decided there were 11 months, it's a long time, and a time when the, unfortunately, there was a Xerah that every person could kill any Jew they want, a royal decree, as I explained earlier, that even after everything was reversed, this edict was never reversed. Extremely, it was there. And the fight of the Jewish people on Yud Gimel Adar, Yud Alad Adar in Shushim was Mamash self-defense. It was completely self-defense. And the expression of the Gemara, Habala Harga, Chashkem Laharga. If they would have, as he said before in the beginning of Eishchas, if somebody would have said, I don't want to be Jewish, he could have saved his life. He said, nobody had even a Machsheves Chutzchas B'Shalom. A Machsheves a whole year to do this, this Mesiris Nefesh was Lamailam in Atam Vedas Legamri, completely transcendent of Tam and Das. Commission is Boilael. The Hainu, what does this mean? Not Mesiris Nefesh, where I want to preserve myself, a greater self, or a reward, 
or a higher self, or a spiritual self, or eternal life. Without any objective, any desire, any will, any purpose, any self-gain, even the greatest spiritual gain, besides because of the complete oneness with Hashem, just for Hashem Himself. Commission is Boyle as explained earlier, the two types of Messirus Nefesh. Messirus Nefesh, what we call Messirus Nefesh, Messirus Haguf, Messirus Achai, and the ultimate, the ultimate Messirus Nefesh. What's the Shuva Ilah. Yeah, it's brought in Svarim, in Zayar, and in Svarim of Musir, and in Kabbalah, Siddhas Hachkafa, Rishas Chachma, many Svarim. There's two states of Shuva, there's something called Shuva Tata. In Aramaic, Tata means lower, like Tata is like. And Elah in Aramaic is higher, like Elyon, right? Elyon and Tachtan in Aramaic is called Elah and Tata. So there's Shuvah Tata, which means a lower level of Shuvah. When we say lower, it doesn't mean it's a low level. It's amazing. It just means relative, you know. The first floor of the house is, is, is a wonderful floor. There's also a second floor. <coughs> there's the roof. So there's Shuvah Tata and there's Shuvah Elah. So generally, the Avoid of Yom Kippur is connected to Shuvah Elah. Which is a much deeper level, deeper level of truth. The, the forms even more. That's what he's saying. Put them as even more, even greater. Yeah. What's the difference? So this state of the Mesidus Nefesh that came out in Purim, you didn't have any other day, not even Yom Kippur. Vizel Yom Kippur is truva, which is unbelievable truva because it's truva law, which is the concept of Mesidus Nefesh. But because of this experience that happened at Purim, it infused in the days of Purim something that no other day has. Not even Yom Kippur. So now you'll ask a question, how could you compare the two? If you ask a regular Jew who knows about the Jewish calendar, which is the most serious day of the year, he'll tell you Yom Kippur. If you ask him which is the most, uh, I don't know, frivolous, fun, light day of the year, it's Purim. Purim is always seen as, you know, it's, uh, it's Purim dick, yeah, it's a Purim dick. The ambitions go off, teenagers are smoking everywhere, stopping cars, Purim is seen as, so to speak, the one day that religion says, okay, you need to go loose, get loose. We're giving you one day. But the truth is, this is very, very superficial idea of Purim. It's the exact opposite. From a Chitzayniistic point of view, Purim have this type of reputation. Alpimpnimius, it's the opposite. Okay, excellent question. The Gaidel was for Yud Gimel. Why is a celebration Yud So the Megillah explains. On Yud Gimel, the Jews had to fight for self-defense. This was the day of extermination, Rahman al-Islam. So when they're fighting, they couldn't rest. They, couldn't ce- they can't celebrate in war. On Yudalit, they were done. There was one day of self-defense, Yudgimbal. Yudalit says, They re- relaxed. They could celebrate. In Shushan, the battle was waged, was waged also the next day. So they relaxed. They celebrated on, on Shushan Purim, which is Tasmav. And from here is the distinction of the two Purims. In all the regions of Achashverish, in all the regions they celebrated, in the other regions of his empire they celebrated Yudalit. In Shushan, the capital, they celebrated Tasvav. Because Yudalit, there was still a battle. 
So Mordechai and Esther themselves, and the Jews of Shushan, who were obviously in the vortex of the storm, the capital of the empire, they celebrated as well. When they made the Takana of Purim for Klal Yisrael, which took some time, right? The Megillah had to be written. The Gemara says in Megillah Dav Zion, it wasn't so posh. The Chachamim did not want a holiday of Purim. It wasn't simple. Sholchalam Esther Chachamim. The Gemara says that Esther sent a message to the Chachamim. Kavuni Ladoiris. Make me, make Purim into a holiday for generations. And you know what they answered? They said, this, is, this will increase anti Semitism. It's not good. For, it's not good for us. So Esther said, "You got it wrong. Everybody knows the story. At least let the Jews know the story." All their books, all their newspapers have the story. They know the truth. At least Jews should know the truth. It wasn't so partial. And then there was a whole other request besides it being a yomtiv making the Megillah part of the Kisri HaKadosh, to write, write down the story becoming part of the Tanakh. That also wasn't a simple feat. They didn't want to do that either. It's time to add a new safe for the Tanakh, to Ksuvim. And Mordechai has to prove from Chumash that, that, it's, uh, that, uh, that there's, there's room for it. It was, it was a debatable issue. So then when they made the Yom Tif, they expanded the Shushan Purim, to all cities that had, Shushan had a wall, a fortress, to all cities that had a fortress, which was similar to Shushan, but interestingly from the days of Yeshua ben Nun. The reason for that is, very fascinating, Litain covered Laird Yisrael. Yisrael then was desolate, it was destroyed. The Jews were in Babylonia, Persia, that's where Purim happened. It was 70 years after the Churban. In order to honor Eretz Yisrael, even though at that time there was nothing in Israel, it was barren, it was destroyed, it was desolate, most Jews were gone. In order to give honor to Israel, when they made the Takon of Shushan Purim, they didn't say any wall that has, any city that has a wall like Shushan. Any city that had a wall from the days of Yeshua bin Nun, that became the paradigm to be able to go into Shushan Purim. Even though today it didn't have, even though at that time the wall was destroyed. In other words, they were giving honor to the history and the glorious past of Israel. Which itself is a fascinating thing. It's not for now. Why over there did they decide to give honor to Eretz Yisrael? The whole action happened in Persia, but they made sure to give honor to Eretz Yisrael. So I'll call upon them. So superficially, one could think Yom Kippur is the serious day of Judaism, and Purim is the lightheaded day. Yeah, it's the, the lightheaded day. But Oimeka Inyan is the opposite. Not that Purim is a, not that Yom Kippur is a lightheaded day. Yom Kippur is a, is a serious day. But Purim has an, a depth to it, an amkus to it, that in, in a particular sense is deeper than Yom Kippur. What's the Havana? So he says, V'zeo al-kein karali amamele Purim, v'hev yimei mishta v'simcha. Unlike Yom Kippur, which you don't feast, it's not a celebration, a holiday of feasting, Purim was made yimei mishta v'simcha. Shubchin is his galus, eiris bekelem davke. The idea of yimei mishta v'simcha represents... That there's a his galas, there's a revelation of oiris, of lights in kalim in vessels. Because the simcha represents that the oir, the light of Purim, could be enclosed within the realm of a person's vessels. Yom Kippur 
is a day of absolute transcendence. Like it says in Tur, the Jews are like angels. You dress like an angel. We don't eat. You don't drink. There are people. There's a minute that's brought in Paiskim of people who would stand the whole Yom Kippur. Because the Malachim HaOyim, they wouldn't sit Yom Kippur. They wouldn't get into a better Yom Kippur. They wouldn't even sit down on a tree Yom Kippur. But even according to the Halacha, where you could sit on Yom Kippur asleep, but the dressing and the fasting, no eating and no drinking and no other... It's basically a day of transcendence, so to speak. A, de- a Jew segregates himself from the world and indulges himself for 24 hours in a, in a cocoon of, of Kedusha of holiness. It says, Doimen Kemalachim, they're like angels. They're like angels. And as Yom Kippur continues, that feeling, that sense continues until the peak of Ne'ilah, at the end of Yom Kippur, Hashem Hu Elokim. So that's the experience of Yom Kippur. And in that state of mind, it's the longest day in terms of davening. People are in shul all day, in the morning and in the afternoon and in the evening and the night before and all of the vuvuduyim. Yom Kippur is a day and unto itself. So besides it not being us, besides it not being a day of work like Shabbos and Yom Tov, within that itself, there's no relationship to the God, very little. There is, obviously, we live in the world, but there's minimal relationship to the material aspects of the world, pursuing them, nurturing them, and taking care of them. Purim is the exact opposite. Purim is yimei mishten yimei simcha. And you see that the mitzvahs of Purim revolve around food and around the physical. Even matanas lavyainim, you're giving money to the poor to be able to buy their food or whatever they want. Mishleyach manas, one day a year, there's a mitzvah to exchange gifts, and not gifts of words or wisdom or inspiration or uh, or, or anecdotes or hisairas. No, mishleyach manas. It's about giving food. And then there's the third mitzvah, which is Sudas Purim. Mishtavasimchi, Pashat, have to have a meal, have to have a feast. And on this, the Gemara says in Megillah, Chayev Inish, Amarava, Chayev Inish, Lipsumabapurya, to drink and drink extensively. This is unique to Purim. There's the fourth mitzvah of Purim, which is reading the Megillah, which is reading the story of Purim. This is the, so the, so the trend here, the focus is Mamish, the antithesis of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day in heaven, so to speak. And Purim is a day of Islapshus, that's what he says, Oiriz Bekelem. Oiriz Bekelem is an expression that the Oir comes into the Kalem. Kalem means into the vessels. Vessels means into the reality of a person's life as he is, and into the reality of the world as is. It's the, not the Oir transcends upward, but on the contrary, it's revealed, it's manifested within the vessels. When the Navi describes the future, the Lashen in Yermio, the end of Yermio is, they're going to come with tears. What's Pshat? When does a person start crying? Overwhelmed. You have an emotion. The way he puts it, the Ur cannot come into a Kaili, that's what causes weeping. A person starts crying, there's, there's an intense emotion, and there's no kalim that contain it in an easy way. It's an overwhelming, it's so intense. So a person bursts out in tears. Tears represents mm-hmm. an emotion that is deeper in the person, and it's not restricted. He hasn't yet carved out a container for this emotion, so the person bursts out in tears. It expresses an intense air that transcends a keli. 
That's why one person can hear something, another person hears the same story. One person reacts in one way, the other person bursts out crying. Yeah. So he is a represent, representation of a certain intensity of an ur that I have not yet carved out a place where it sits in me. There's no filing cabinet for it. That's what pchi is. That's why, you know, a person in touch with their emotions cries. You hear something and almost spontaneously you start crying. So, la'asid love it is going to be such a gilui. Why are they going to be crying? He says, they're going to be crying. Crying is not always sadness. Sometimes there's such an ur, and there's no keli for it, you start crying. It could be even an, a, a, a very positive thing. That's why Yermia says, they're going to come crying. It says in Zoya that where Rabbi Kiva was learning Shira Shirim, he would cry. What's there to cry in Shira Shirim? Zalgoen of Demayas. There's ty- different types of tears. It was Demayas, could be Demayas of tremendous ecstasy. Tremendous ecstasy. You start crying from, from extractions, from emotion. Not because of something negative. It's actually something extremely positive. But it's higher than your Caleb. The Chiddush here is Purim. Avo b'Purim, Shazochu l'Mayli Yisaid. V'Pchinas Mesidus Nefesh Amiti Haniskelel. Purim represents what came out was the ultimate, ultimate, truest Mesidus Nefesh, the one that we described before, real Mesidus Nefesh. Liyos Dvukim Ba'atzmos Eden Seif. What came out was the Dvekas, the intimacy, the oneness with the essence of Eden Seif, the core Atzmos. This can come into a keli. Even normally, a keli would not be able to contain the oil. Because the oil is what's called and the keli is means it's beyond the evolution of the world. So there's no keli for it. Like we learned in the previous Maimon, when a teacher teaches, you always have to bring it into the keli. If not, it overwhelms people. You have to explain it in a way that can be contained by the recipient. The whole Ishtashlus is basically how Hashem restricts his air to be able to come into the keli. What's into the keli? Every creature has its own keli, its own capacity, its own chemistry. You can't take more than you can take. If not, the keli bursts, the keli gets overwhelmed. So normally the keli can only take the light that relates to the keli. You can only fill up this cup with amount of water, measurement of water that suits the keli. You put the keli in a place where there's a huge tur- a current of water, there's no keli left. The keli gets destroyed. That's the b'chia you, because it's tremendous gilu, and that is a chidosh The chidosh is, it's oiris b'kelem. That that which l'chayr is completely beyond the shtal it could come into the keli. The keli expands himself? Or, or just still Iris can fit? In this type of Mesidus Nefesh, the keli is not a contradiction to the Ur. In this type of Mesidus Nefesh, where there's no ego, there's no I separate, where there's complete Vekas and Atzmus, so the keli is not a state to the Ur. The two could be synchronized fully. We'll see. Because it's l'mayla harbim in ashtashlus. L'kachim nekroim yimei mishta v'simcha. Ki nichnas yayin yoytze hasayid. The Gemara says when wine comes in, the secret comes out. What's pshat it comes out? 
Dafka, Bebchines Hagilui Bekelem Dafka. The soy doesn't have to remain a secret. Nichnes Yanyatusay doesn't only mean you drink, secrets come out. The Gemara says in Eriv and Yayin is the Gematri of 70, and Soid is the Gematri of 70. Yud Yud Nun is 70, Soid is 66 and 4 is 70, because wine come in, comes in and secrets come out. When people are, in, are inebriated, they're intoxicated, they'll tell you things they usually don't say, right? You see people when they drink a little bit, or they drink, especially they drink a lot, yeah, they say, I love you. They'll never tell you, oh, yeah, that they love you. <laughs> they'll hug you. They'll tell you things. They're more, I guess, more, whatever it is. Or sometimes they'll reveal things that you wouldn't hear. Yeah, that's what you see. That's what the Gemara means. When people drink, they're a little tipsy, maybe it takes over the edge, a little less self-conscious. I'm not talk- we're not talking here about the disease of alcoholism. You have to be careful not to confuse the two. But the concept is, So he says here, but it's deeper. Pshat Yatsasayid means something much deeper. There's certain things in life that are secrets. Be'etzim secrets. Even when they come out, they're secrets. They can't come out, they're soydas. The Chiddush of Purim is that the soyd could come out. In other words, it could come into the Kalim. That that which is essentially a soyd, it's essentially a secret. That's how he touches. Not the secrets about my personal life that I'm going to tell you on Purim if I'm enough drunk. There's something much deeper. That you could do any day. Nichnas Zayin Yatsasayid is that that which is Be'etzim, an Indian of Soyid, it's an Indian of a secret, it's, it's an intimate secret. It can't come out. It doesn't belong in the world of outside. It can't be Yoytze. That's the Chiddush, that there should be a Gili Bekelen. V'upchines Ave Betanugim Shalifnei Hatzilus. This is the love of the light that transcends even the world of Atzilus. Neshabatzilus enakli sevalta. In Atzilus taka, the keli would not be soival such an ava. It wouldn't be able to contain it. It would need a restriction. This is something that is completely beyond, and because it's completely beyond, it can go into a lower place. Because it's a deeper oir, it could come down into a keli, which a lower oir would not be able to come into the keli, unless it's seriously restricted. Vidal v'day l'meiv, and this will be enough to he who understands. Does soid also mean foundation? That's yisoid, with a yud. This is soid, a secret. In other words, that which is completely aloof, sublime. A secret here in the sense is not like a secret... It's confidential, it's like private, but a side means something that's be'etzim a secret. It's a secret even from you. Yeah, the essence. Even for you it's a secret. There are soydas that even for me they're secrets. I, I don't have access to them, I don't know them. It's beyond, that's what we're talking about, the goyrul, the mysterious nefesh, the beyond tam vedas, etc. In order to clarify this a little bit, it's a very deep concept here. Maybe one way to convey it, the Nakuda that he's saying here, a little bit kitzer, is I'll read to you a Mishnah. It might sound a little confusing, but uh, if you'll stay tuned, they won't, you'll understand it. There's, there's a Mishnah, Meseches Kalim. Mesech the Kalim is the uh, longest Mesechtus in Shas, in Mishnayis, 30 chapters. And it deals with the vessels, types of vessels, Kalim, utensils, that are susceptible to Tumah. And how the halachas of Tumah relate, Tumah and Tara, period, and purely relate to these Kalim. Now, Mishnayis is generally a work of halacha. Rarely are you going to have references to things outside of halacha. I mean, once in a while you'll have a little story, which usually leads to halacha, like in the first Mishnah of the whole Shas, Mesechus Brachas, 
There's the story of the children of Ram Gamliel coming back from a chasana, and they told me they didn't read Kriyashma yet. So that's so he told them what to do. So that's what you'll have in Mishnah. In in Kalim Perik Yud Zayin, Mishnah Yudalad, there's a strange, strange Mishnah. Why do I say strange? The Mishnah makes sense, but the Mepharshim struggle with how this Mishnah comes into Mishnayas. It says like this, V'yesh b'meshen nivri b'yoyim harishin tumah, b'sheni ain't b'y tumah, b'shlishi yesh b'y tumah, b'revi b'chamishi ain't b'em tumah, chutz meknaf o'ezu b'etzas namis ha'metzupah. V'chol shenivri b'yoyim ha'shishi tameh. The Mishnah basically goes through the six days of creation, from Sunday through Friday. And it says, there were things created on Sunday that if you make a utensil from it, it will it's susceptible to Tumah. Why? What was created on the first day? If you take earth and you turn it into pottery, it's called clay cheres, earthenware vessels, it's susceptible to Tumah. If it's in a house and somebody passes away in the house, the clay cheres is Tumah. Or if a sheretz, a, a, a dead rodent that's, that's tummy, falls into the cavity, goes into the space, the ear space of the kalecheres, it's tummy, it's tummy. So that means that which was created on Sunday is susceptible to tumor. If you make a keli out of it, it's susceptible to tumor. Then the mission is, b'sheni eimboi tumor. From that which was created on Monday, you'll never be able to f- make something that's becabal tumor. B'sheni eimboi tumor. Why? What was created on Shani? Rakia, the firmament, the heavens. Right? That's what happened on Shani. From the Rakia, from the firmament, you're not making a vessel, and it's not Makabal Tumma. Bishlishi, from what was created on Tuesday, you could make things that are Makabal Tumma. What was created on Tuesday? All the trees, all vegetation, all produce. Which means you could make from it clay eights, wooden vessels. And clay eights. If you have a wooden bowl, a wooden cup, it's makabal tumma. It's susceptible to tumma. Classic tumma, biblical tumma. That's Tuesday. Rivi, no. What happened? Rivi, sun, moon, galaxies. How are they going to be makabal tumma? Well, are you going to make a keli out of the moon? Ma, well, they're landing on the moon now. Israel is landing on the moon. Shatayva motzlachas. It's not makabal tumma. Chamishi. I'm going to skip for a moment. You'll soon see why. And then he says, Shishi, again, is Makabal Tumah. What was created on Shishi? All the Chayas, all the animals, all the mammals, all the rodents. Yeah. A person, they're Makabal Tumah. A person is Makabal Tumah. And if you make a keli from their bones or from their hide, right? A keli from leather, for example. Clothes of leather, a keli from leather. Just one example. It's Makabal Tumah. So we have here, as I... Sunday, yes. Monday, no. Tuesday, yes. Wednesday, no. Friday, yes. What's with Thursday? So he says, Thursday, b'chamishi, ain't bem tumah. Wednesday, no. Friday, yes. He says, Tuesday, ain't bem tumah. But there's an exception on Tuesday. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Tuesday is yes tumah. Wednesday is no tumah. He says, Thursday, vaita no tumah. Chutz miknaf ha'oiz u'beitzas namis ha'metzupa. Thursday is the day of fish and birds. Clay dog 
Kalim that are made from Dagim are not Mekabal Even if you take the skin of a fish, you turn it into Kalim, it's not Mekabal Okay. But, there's a Knaf Ha'oiz, who baits us Namis HaMetsupa. Namis is an ostrich. You ever saw the eggs of an ostrich? They're, uh, could be like a basketball, and pretty strong. That Beitza, if you take that Beitza, and it's Metsupa, it's played it. Yeah? It's called Basayana. So what happens is, because the egg is so strong, so it, it was used as a keli. Because it's a, usually an egg, it's not going to last. You know, you give it a little push, it's over. But here, the Rabbanon said that the beitza of an ostrich, an egg of an ostrich, if it's plated, it's makabaltum. Regular eggs, even if you plate them, if you, even if you decorate them, it's not makabaltum because it's not going to last. But an ostrich's egg, if it's plated, the rabbi said the mekabotum. Another thing is called knaf ha'azniya. Knaf ha'azniya is a bird of a... Uh, ha'azniya is um, the bird of a... Uh, a what? A raven? A crow, I believe. Yeah. Uh, a raven. Knaf ha'azniya. It's a very powerful wing. It's a very powerful wing. Osnia. Ayin Zion Nun Yud Hey. So the bird of an Osnia, it's a very powerful wing. So people, again, would make Kalim from it. So even though biblically, when you make a Kali from a bird or a fish, it's not Makabaltumma because it's such a powerful Kali and people would use it, so the rabbis were afraid you can exchange it with a regular Kali and therefore they were Geisertumamas. So what's the conclusion of this Mishnah? Sunday, yes, Tumma. Monday, no, Tumma. Tuesday, yes, Tumma. Wednesday, no, Tumma. Friday, yes, Tumma. Thursday, no, Tumma, with two exceptions. The wing of an Aznia bird, with a abundant what goes Tumma, and the keli that you make from the plated egg of an ostrich. That's the end of the Mishnah. What, what is the Mishnah trying to do here? What, what are you mixing in creation there? It's very strange. Mishnah is usually this is you could say everything could be clear. You could say Earth is Makabaltum, we already learned that. What what's 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 pushing the Mishnah to associate this with different days of creation? There's something. So if it was a safer stam of Gedankin and Ashkafa Mela, but it's a safer of Halacha, that's what Mishnah is. What's what's the Mishnah trying to say? So some say it's a simon, it's a nice simon to remember. It's a simon to remember, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But L'chayra, there's not so much information here that you're giving up a simon. In other words, you anyway have to know what was created on those days. It's not like you have a word and you have it all day. You have to know what was the Mebereshim. So there's a word from the Yid HaKadosh. It's a half of the Kavart. And here the Balatanya, we can understand the word very well. He says, you see in the calendar that Yom Kippur can't fall out on certain days. Which days can't Yom Kippur fall out on? So just like we have on Yom Rosh Hashanah, we say, Rosh Hashanah can't be on a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Friday. When it comes to Yom Kippur, the klal is Yom Kippur can't be on the following three days. Yom Kippur will never be on a Sunday, Aleph. It'll never be on a Tuesday. And it will never be on a Friday. Never. 
You will have Yom Kippur on Monday. You will have Yom Kippur on Wednesday. You will have Yom Kippur on Shabbos. Okay? You're never ever going to have Yom Kippur on a Sunday. You never remember Yom Kippur on a Sunday. Or on a Tuesday. Or on a Friday. You're never going to have Yom Kippur out of Shabbos. Right? You're going to have Yom Kippur on Monday. You'll have Yom Kippur Wednesday. And you'll have Yom Kippur on Shabbos. Just hold on with Thursday for a moment. Purim is the exact opposite. Purim is the exact opposite. You'll never ever have Purim on Monday. You'll never ever have Purim on Wednesday. You never have Purim on Shabbos. The exact opposite. Purim you'll have on Sunday. Purim you'll have on Tuesday. Purim you'll have on Friday. We have Purim out of Shabbos. You go into Shabbos. You'll never ever have ever. Have put him on the three days when Yom Kippur could come out, and you'll never have Yom Kippur on the three days that put him come out. They remain mutually exclusive. It's not that some years is an overlap. You'll never ever have Yom Kippur on Sunday, Tuesday, Friday. You'll never ever have put him on Monday, Wednesday, and Shabbos, according to our calendar, ever. Why? That's what the Mishnah is explaining. Because this is the fundamental difference between Yom Kippur and Purim. Yom Kippur represents a day when Tumah wasn't created. It's higher than Tumah. It's higher than impurity. It's days when the stuff of creation don't lend themselves to Tumah. That's Yom Kippur. That's why it's the day of, 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 it's the day of transcendence. It's a day when a Jew leaves the world of Tumah and goes into a world of heaven, a world of Tara. Why is Monday not Makabal Tumah? Because it's Rakia. Why is Wednesday not Makabal Tumah? Because it's Rakia, because it's heaven. You're in the stars. You're in the moon. <laughs> you're in the sun. Today we already, Megali, you can bring to the moon some stuff from the earth also. But generally, heaven is removed. It's not part of the corruption of the Tumah of our world. There's not so much to sin in outer space. Maybe they're going to change that in the next few years. But you can't sin so much out of space. Here on earth you can get Gans Tomei. It's a different universe. It's a completely different reality. It, physically and also spiritually what heaven represents. And then the Shabbos. Shabbos is no creation. Shabbos is Kivoy Shabbos Bayem Ashvi. It's higher than the Bria. That's Yom Kippur. Purim is the opposite. The Chiddush of Purim is that Purim is not a day when you segregate from the world. Ah, you're telling me that Purim is the same level of intensity of Yom Kippur and even deeper? Because Yom Kippur represents the ultimate vacus with the true ultimate Atzimus Eid Sof, that never has to run away from any situation. Fakert. It could come into a place with his L'chayr Tumah, with his impurity. Yom Kippur, you say, a Jew is segregated. It's a day of Kedush. Don't eat. Why? Because eating could be animalistic. Don't drink. Drinking could be animalistic. Intimacy could be uh, hedonistic. All materialism, you're involved with materialism, it lends itself to the Yetzirah. The Chiddush of Purim is, no, there's a mitzvah of Mishnah. There's a mitzvah of Simcha. Because the Purim is such an intense, powerful level of the ultimate Kedusha, there's complete integration. There's complete unity. You don't segregate from the world of Tumah. Fakert. It infuses, it sublimates, it, it lifts up and it permeates and penetrates the physical, most physical world, which is Mechabotum, which is the concept of Sunday, earth, and Tuesday, wood, lumber, vegetation, comes from the earth. 
and, and, and Friday, which is humans, and Shratzim, and Avelis, and Behemus, and Chayis, all earth, and the Kalim made from them. That's the Kiddush. Purim is only those days. Can't be other days. Because the whole idea of Purim is, as he said, the earth comes into the Kali. The earth changes the world. There's no need for asceticism for precious. There's an union of, of Yom Kippur, Kaidish HaKadoshim. The Kiddush of Purim is because it's even deeper. There's no place that it can't reach. It reaches into every single place. There's one exception. Thursday. Thursday is the only day where Yom Kippur and Purim could come together. This year. this year, Purim could be on Thursday. Yom Kippur could be on Thursday. It's a strange thing. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Shabbos—they never get along. If the day belongs to Yom Kippur, Purim says sorry, it's not for me. If the day belongs to Purim, Yom Kippur says it's not for me. One day is different. Thursday. Oh, now go see, see, you'll see the 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 beauty and the masikis and how the emes dikait of Torah. What's Thursday? Thursday, the Mishnah says, it's also not Makabal Tumah, besides two things. The bird of the Osnia and the Beitzah Samatsupa, the plated egg of the ostrich. And as the Bartun and the Mepharshim say, that's Midirabona. Because it was so commonly used by people as Caleb, the egg of an ostrich. So when they played it, and it doesn't look like a regular egg anymore, you may confuse it with a regular Kali in your kitchen. And therefore, they were going to on it, and the same is true with the the, the kind of Havazni. But Minat it's not Makabal Tomah. Yom Kippur is the Chayom Tif biblically. So Yom Kippur could be on Thursday, because Thursday is a day that's not Makabal Tomah. But Purim is the Chayom Tif Medivri Seifrim. It's not a Yom Tif Minat There's no Purim in Torah. Purim was instituted by the Sanhedrin and by the Nevi'im of the generation of Mardukhan Esther. It's a rabbinic yomtif. So Purim is on a day that's Makabal Tumah. Because Midirabonan, Thursday is Makabal Tumah. So Thursday is the only day that can be Purim and Yom Kippur. Because Thursday is a day that Minatayra, there's no Tumah. Midirabonan, there is Tumah. So Yom Kippur could be on Thursday because there's no Tumah. From Yom Kippur's world, there's no Tumah. Purim could be on Thursday because there is Tumah. But the other days where it's either or, they belong only to Purim, only to Yom Kippur. So it's not just, it happens to be Purim is a day that we eat. Fundamentally, organically, Purim can only be celebrated in those days where there's room for Tumah. Yom Kippur can be celebrated on those days where there's no room for Tumah. And that's why Thursday is the only day where they overlap, like this year, Taka, where it's Thursday. And I saw Reb Menachem Zemba. Reb Menachem Zemba was killed during the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. Pesach 1943. So I saw Reb Menachem Zemba has a letter. And he says, he quotes this, this explanation from the Yid HaKadosh, who was one of the great Hasidic masters. And he says, according to all of this, you could say halachically, that's why the Mishnah had to write it. To tell you a din that when they had to make the calendar, which days they could make Yom Kippur, and which days they could make Purim. So it's a halach of how to make the calendar. Because for many generations there was no calendar. Purim could be on Shabbos. And that's where the Gemara says in a few places, that when Purim falls out on Shabbos, you don't read the Megillah, because of Gzeir de Rabbah, just like we don't do Shoifra and Lulav on Shabbos. But once they made the calendar, Purim can't be on Shabbos. Yom Kippur is on Shabbos, could be. Purim can't be on Shabbos, just like Purim can't be on Monday, just like Purim can't be on Wednesday. Just like Purim can't be on uh, on um, on Shabbos, right? So he says, this din comes from this Mishnah. 
the Mishnah was describing when to make the calendar for Yom Kippur, when to make the calendar for Purim. What's the Nakuda here? What do we learn from all of this? What's the bottom line? The bottom line is that there's two Tnuas in Avaidah Hashem. One Tnuah in Avaidah Hashem is the Tnuah of precious segregation, asceticism. And that's what Yom Kippur represents. That's the holiness of the day when you leave the earth and you go into heaven as much as a person can. That's the Avaidah of Yom Kippur. The Avaidah of Purim, in a way, is a deeper Avaidah. That a person is completely present within the world, and nonetheless, the person can find the ultimate meaning and the ultimate truth and the ultimate value and the ultimate ain't safe within all of the realities of the human body, of the human goof, and of the human physical self. The goof is the ultimate keli. So you would say, Yem Kippur, you got to go a little beyond the goof as much as possible. So there's no achilah, seer, rechitza, sichin, sandal, everything represented by the goof. It's a day of neshama. Purim is a day dafka of the goof. Why? Because it's the ultimate mesidus nefesh of Purim. There's nothing that's a steerer to this type of air. There's nothing in the world that becomes a contradiction to this type of air. It could permeate and penetrate every single nakuda, every nook, every cranny, every facet, every dimension, every nuance of existence, every nuance of the goof, of the physical body and the physical world. Every keli could contain it. How do you touch tenua? Tenua, I meant uh, a, uh, a style, a tenua. It's, it's, it's a, the, the derech, the path. The mo- tenua literally means motion, motion. But it's used as, uh, you know, it's, it, this is a tenua of... Uh, the Tnuah of Yom Kippur means the focus. The direction of Yom Kippur is one of asceticism. And the direction of Purim is the exact opposite. Somebody is going to decide on Purim. It's such a holy day. I learned in Torah that Purim is holier than Yom Kippur. So I'll lock myself up in my room. I'll fast. Right? I'll fast. I won't eat. I won't drink. There's no Purim. You're being over on the mitzvahs of Purim. You have to go and bring a gift of food to a chavr of yours. It's true. You don't have to give the whole monthsy. And the Shalchman doesn't have to be $600. And you don't have to put in there crystal dishes. V'chuli v'chuli. Mishloach Manas means you take an orange and you take a hamantash and you give it to a chafer and you get some Mishloach Manas. But you have to take that food. And Matanas Laviyayinim and Suddhas Purim. I can't do Suddhas Purim and meditate on the Milo of Purim. Suddhas Purim has to be with physical food and Chayavinish Lipsum. In fact, one of the reasons for Mishloach Manas, right? If, Rup Shleim al brings in a safe Manas Halevi is because. One of the reasons for Matanas Lavyoinim is to be able to have Suddhas Purim. Mishlayach Manas is to be able to have Suddhas Purim. The Gemara says that when they didn't have Suddhas Purim, they used to exchange, uh, they exchanged Shalach Manas to each other. And the same is true, obviously, with Chayiv and Shlubsama and the Megillah, etc. So, Bimela, that's the whole, the whole. So, what does Purim represent? Purim represents the ability of a person to understand that Mesir, ultimate Mesiris Nefesh doesn't mean I run away from the world. Ultimate Mesiris Nefesh means. That wherever I am, complete presence, wherever I am, in my body, in my matzav, in my reality, I'm capable of having complete dvekas, complete oneness with the essence of Ein Soif, with no compromise whatsoever. And on the contrary, the higher you go, the deeper you go, the more into Kalim you go. When you when it's something that is a limited air, then it's also limited where it can reach. Something that's truly, truly unlimited, what he calls the Atzmus Eid and Soif, there's no limit where it could reach. 
It doesn't have to be restricted. There's no place that's off limits. Basically, God, I'm too low for you. I'm too low. When you touch the real, real truth, there's absolutely no limit where it can go. When you touch a lower level of uh, this cheshboinus, here I can go, here I can't go, this is too restrictive, your keli won't be able to take me, and so forth. When you go to the deepest, deepest place, the deepest place, then because you touch the deepest oil, uh, then nothing is off limit. It can reach everything. It can reach everywhere. That's the Chiddush of Hormuz. I learned that the light of uh, Yom Kippur is Kesser. It's, it's manifested with Kesser. So that light, you're saying, is manifest in form in, in all the Kalim. In, in all the Kalim. That's why the beginning of the Megillah is Kalim Mikalim Shainim. <laughs> Right. What it was? What do you mean? This the idea of the Hasidim bringing bringing the worldly things into being the holiest, and the Nusnagim saying no. The, the the holiness is really the the opposite. It's not the it's not the Gashmias. Interesting. Interesting. But the truth is, in Yiddishkeit, in other words, there's the concept of Yom Kippur and the concept of Purim. Both both have a very powerful truth. Right? In other words, for a person to be able to celebrate Purim, they have to have Yom Kippur. Because if not, the person can also misinterpret it in the opposite extreme. Right? So this Totenuvus, yeah? But the Mishnah Kilin is only referring to, to Yedal. That's Vav, it's Shushan, but I fall out. So what's the message there? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you drank so much on Purim you need a little Yom Kippur <laughs> the next day you need a little Yom Kippur I hear, I hear you I saw it on the same day of the week that Yom Kippur falls so. so I'm telling you no. it's for us what about people in the Yom Kippur in the Yom Kippur in the yeah, the fact, I guess, that the Rav Klal Yisrael celebrates Purim on Purim, I mean, that's the the Nekudah of Purim. I guess if it's Mukhav Chaima, if Yitak is surrounded by a wall, it's more like Yom Kippur. <laughs> it's a famous Svasemes, he explains the difference of Yehuda and Yosef. Yehuda, his chalik was Yerushalayim in Yerat Yisrael. Yosef, his territory was Shiloi. In Shiloh, there was a Mishka for 369 years. In Yerushalayim, you had the Beis HaMikdash for more than 800 years. Halachically, there's a difference between the two. Very interesting halacha. In Mesech Zvach and Kof in a Mishnah. By the Beis HaMikdash, if you are makrav a carbon, you can eat it in the whole city of Yerushalayim, the old city of Yerushalayim, but only within the wall. It's called Kachem Kalim. Let's say you made makrav a carbon Pesach, a carbon Toida, a carbon Shlomem. A lot of the carbonus, right? You could take it out of the base of Mikdash, go home. Like the carbon Pesach, you would go home and you would have a barbecue and everybody would eat it in Yerushalayim. What if you take it out of the walls of Yerushalayim? Nifsel b'yotza. It's such holy meat. If you take it out of the atmosphere of Yerushalayim, it's like allergic. It gets disqualified. You have to burn it. You can't eat it anymore. Why? Because it has to remain in the avira, in the luft, in the atmosphere, in the ambiance of Yerushalayim to maintain its kedusha. If you take it out, right? So it's like... You know, somebody, the opposite, somebody with a very, very, with a failed immune system, a patient 
whose immune system is very, very sensitive, right? You have to keep them quarantined in certain environments. Tell them, don't go to a chasana, don't go out, don't go to... Why? Because you don't have the... You don't have the immunity to be able to fight back the bacteria, the germs that may enter your body. So we have that concept also spiritually speaking, that the atmosphere of Yerushalayim is a different atmosphere, it's a holy atmosphere. So the meat of the carbon could be there. If you take it outside, you take it up to Kvish Misparshesh, going to Tel Aviv, there's already too much going on, and the meat becomes it becomes disqualified. It gets, so to speak, different types of uh, energy, and you can't eat it as a carbon. That's the halach in Yerushalayim. When it came to Shiloh, the halach had changed. There was no choyma around Shiloh. So the halach is, the Gemalashon of Chazal is, Neskadosh Bekal Haroya, which means you could take the meat as far as you want, even miles and miles away from the Mishkan, and eat it there as long as you could see the Mishkan. In other words, theoretically, you could be, if it's a nice day, you could be 50 miles down the road, 50 miles away, go on a mountain, see the Mishkan, and you can eat the carbon there. In other words, it's not confined to the walls of Yerushalayim. It could be far, far away as long as you could see the Mishkan. So he explains that was the chilek of Yehuda and Yosef in their, in their Ashkafa. Yehuda believed that Kedusha has to remain within a chayma, within a confinement. Hoysa Yehuda That was the shit of Yehuda. So therefore, now it's Yisrael also. It comes into Yerushalayim. You can only bring the kachim inside of Yerushalayim. Yosef Shita was Lesakin Oilam B'malchus Shendal Yud. That the truth of godliness ultimately has to change the whole world. The whole universe can be transformed. There's no walls where Kedusha could be, has, to, has to remain in, in order to survive. On the contrary, you can go to the furthest, furthest places with one condition. You have to be able to see. You have to be able to see the Mishkan. If you can open your eyes and see the Mishkan over there, you could see Kedusha there. This becomes holy. You can eat Karbanas right here. What happened to Yosef? He went to Erva Saaretz. He went to the lowest place. But in a moment of truth, He saw Yaakov representing the Shechina, the Mishkan, one of the others. He saw he didn't have to be in a chayme. He could be in the in the furthest place. But Musdi Yochanan Shal Yaakov Avav Rabba Chalayin says this was a big machloikas between Yehuda and Yosef. This was the brothers and Yosef. So a huge machloikas, and it comes out in halacha in Yerushalayim versus Mishkan Shilin. And Taket says La'asid Lavei Prozos Teishav Yerushalayim. What's that Prozos Teishav Yerushalayim? Yerushalayim will sit open, without walls. Literally, it means because there won't be any enemy. You won't need a wall. Spiritually, it means that you won't need the wall to contain the Kedusha. Because Bizman has, uh, there's an Akuda in Yahis, there's also an Akuda in Yehuda. Right? If there's no limits, if all the fortresses are down, it sounds very beautiful, but a person who has weaknesses and could be influenced in a bad way, you have to have walls, you have to have Gedorim, you have to have boundaries. You can't say no boundaries, Einoid Mulvada. To be able to say, it has to come from a place of, of strength, not from a place of weakness. If you're vulnerable, then the Einoid Mulvade becomes a mockery. So you have the Tnu of Yehudah, the Tnu of Yosef, until the Zman of Prozestation of Yerushalayim. So Shushan Purim is the Zman of Chayma. That's the Indian of a Chayma. Like Yerushalayim, so that's more similar to Yom Kippur. In response to your question. Okay.
You were toifers the Mishnah, you understand the Mishnah? Huh? So, what, what was the end of the No, he just says about Yehuda and Yosef, Shil and Yerushalayim. That's what he says. Yeah. Shalom Dimasech Shall I have in it, Zenachon? There was no Chabon Tain again, Togi Nigla. There was no Chabon Tain again, Togi. And the Dresser Chilim of Bissalme was no Chabon Tain again, Togi I looked up the Mishnah in Safaria. So he says, it's Kalim Yud Zion, right? Kalim Yud Zion, Mishnah Yud Dalit. So he says, on the fourth day and on the fifth day, nothing created is susceptible to impurity except for the wing of the vulture. The wing of the vulture. It's a hunting bird, and the wing was very powerful. So they turned it into a Kali, I guess. A broom, you think? Or something else, some type of, or an ostrich egg that was plated. Rabbi Yechonah Benuri said, "Why would the wing of a vulture be different from all other wings?" So he disagreed, but he didn't disagree about the egg of a of an ostrich. Uh, translated so differently. I heard three translations so far this morning. I saw buzzard, vulture, You saw Znia as a what? A black eagle? Yes, black eagle or osprey. Osprey beard, a bird. So they wouldn't know about an aspray then. Interesting. So you saw black, a black eagle or aspray, and what's the third one? A buzzard or vulture? A black vulture. Okay. But I guess it was a wing that they used to turn into a kelim. Fascinating. So it's only medirabonon. It's only makabel tumah This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.